What's up, Nubians? Welcome to Tech Nubians, part of the Geekish Network. Tech Nubians is your weekly live stream and podcast hosted by Black technology professionals steeped mm-hmm. in the blackest blacks. We're here to discuss the what, when, and how you can get into this world of technology, specifically video games. With me today, I have our producer who never holds a grudge, Shanae. <laughs> hey, folks. <laughs> I've got, I've got, uh, he keeps us out of the sunken place. It's our artist extraordinaire, Ryan. What's up, y'all? I've got the one who makes it all look like child's play, Chuck. And, <laughs> oh my goodness, Travis. And Mirror All the Wall, who's the scariest of us all? It is Travis. Apparently, Travis is also like going to be missing everything today. <laughs> you knew it. I should have worn my, my Darth Vader helmet, man. <laughs> Sitting right here. I should have worn it. <laughs> How are you breathing this? How do you breathe? <laughs> Don't. <laughs> and I am your ghostess with the mostest. I am Cherie. We are here at Technivians. We are here to inspire, sustain, and nurture successful creative technologists in the pursuit of black excellence and content development. All right. <laughs> Threw me off there, Trav. <laughs> End the show. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was excellent. Sorry. I, well, look, I I know it's Halloween, and it, there's nothing scarier to some audiences than a black stormtrooper. So yeah. I, uh, that's that's so I needed to kick so, it off. That is the scariest thing, sir. Terrifying the the masses here. Oh wow! Yes, obviously, we are we are celebrating Halloween is tomorrow. So in honor of Halloween, we've got a scary show for you all today. This week, we are talking about designing horror. Are you afraid of the dark? <laughs> that is what our, that's what our topic is for today. But before we get into that, we're going to talk some tech and gaming news with our news segment, Tech Newsians. All right, Travis, because you had that intro, the entrance today, <laughs> you're going to kick us off with the news segment. What do you got sure. for Sure. So uh, <laughs> coming straight from GameDeveloper.com in wake of Epic versus Apple ruling, Exala launches web shop for mobile games. So um, I'm going to cut right to the chase. Basically, they're creating another store, um, a- another way that you can actually uh, you know, buy digital items, but you're still on another platform. And I'm pretty sure this is where all the fun begins now. Um, it is it is going to be interesting to see how this develops. Uh, and, and the reason why I say that is because really all we're talking about now is, uh, you know, some servers, really, right? And how reliable they are and whether or not they're going to uh, survive under the massive strain of, of basically, you know, Everyone who has gone from, you know, I, I guess this occupied like jail to, you know, freedom. Um, and we're going to see just how much digital items really cost. Right. I, you know, it's 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 going to be interesting to see now. I, I just want to, you know, there's a certain amount of me that's feeding on this chaos and going. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. No, I mean, uh, you know, we've been talking about this ever since the whole epic epic lawsuit became a thing, <laughs> right? Uh, this is the first of many, as Travis said. We're probably going to see a lot more really interesting and creative solutions that folks come up with, not only for creating these stores, but advertising these stores and for pushing users towards these stores. So, um, yeah, expect there to be a lot of interesting developments that are taking place, especially in that mobile space, right? Mobile PC space right now. Um, yeah, I'm here for it. <laughs> All of it. I also sort of I like mean, how Travis mentioned, like, they're free. And in my brain, I'm like, oh, have they been emancipated, Travis? I, well, you didn't say, you didn't we're going to find out. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to find out. I mean, yeah. serious, serious, I mean, serious business. I mean, this is, this is, this is seismic. Um, you know, uh, it really is. Because um, we've never had to come face to face with just how much digital items are really worth outside of, uh, you know, a few selected people telling us how much they're worth, right? So when you have alternatives and you start having pricing wars and then you start having, you know, incentives to keep, uh, you know, players, no, customers um, in your your ecosystem, uh, now it's just going to be coming from everywhere. And 
you know, I, I may God have mercy on, you know, the, the, the store people at Apple right now. Right. Because I know none of them are sleeping. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, I don't have anything to add to that. I, yes. <laughs> Yep. Mm. Yeah. It's oh, oh it's it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Yeah, it's 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 gonna happen. And I and I and I'm telling you right now, the the stop gap or what it's gonna boil down to is the customers are gonna look back at Apple and say, What have you done for us lately? Mm. Okay. Um, and then Apple is going to have to respond and Apple cannot respond with this mailed fist of the emperor type tactic. They're going to have to romance people now in a way that they never did before. And I think that's good business. Please believe. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty brilliant, and I think also the other thing I'll mention is, I mean, you know, I'm sure like you said, like I all said, like Apple is probably like you know lying awake at night trying to figure out what to do here. But I'm hoping this does breed more innovation. You know, you know, I mean, it's Cause, like because 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 think about this for a second, okay? And and, and this is this is this is real, <laughs> like. I think about past shopping experiences that I've had in real life, right? I don't know about y'all, but everybody's probably, you know, everyone I know has been in like Burlington Coat Factory, for example, and stumbled across something you thought you shouldn't be there, you know, and you're like, oh, snap, here's this name brand is dope and it's way lower price, right? Now we're going to be living in a society basically where your Gucci items, you can buy a (laughs) 7-Eleven. And you hey, know, I don't necessarily think that's a bad world living. I don't either. But but what I'm saying is, is yeah. that this is an economy that hasn't really been vetted or tested yet. It's true. Right. And so it's going to. So it is going to be absolute chaos because <laughs> I'm going to 7-Eleven. You know, you made the comments earlier about the uh, how Apple store employees are probably laying awake at night. You know who else is laying awake at night? They're lawyers. Oh, oh yeah. Because one of the things we have to be clear, uh, cognizant of and clear of is this is far from over. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, this is still going through the court system. We're going to see appeals from both sides. But in the interim, while that's still shaking out, we're going to see some more stores up, open up. You got to go to. Yeah, they're going to be taking. You got to go to Circle K and get your Lambo. <laughs> get it now. <laughs> <laughs> hurry, hurry. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Awesome. No, that, that that's, that's great. So okay, I'm, I have a story for everybody here. Um, and this is, this is interesting. So are, is anyone like familiar with like those sky, the Skyrim in real life series, mm-hmm. you know, you'll see these series of videos where basically like, you know, it's a guy and like maybe a lady or two or something like that. And they'll go around and like, basically there's like recreating kind of like the aesthetic of Skyrim, you know, particularly like the bugs that you see and other little like sun of silly things. It was a very popular series. It's well, like people like like the like NPCs just walking into doors. And yeah, walking the wall. The way they walk, like the stilted way they walk, and all sorts. It's actually it's actually with educating like series of videos. Well, there's some there's some crazy news that's come out of this because the um, the TikTok influencer who did that series of videos, um, his name was Ali or his name is excuse me Ali Nassar Abulaban. He's that popular. I said social media personality. He has actually now been accused of murdering his wife and a friend. And um, yeah, it's, this is crazy. Like basically, and you know, the reason why I'm mentioning this is kind of a tech story. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a Skyrim angle stuff like that related to it, but the way that they're saying that, um, uh, you know, that he, I guess, you know, or, or he used technology, I'll say like that, to kind of like spy on his wife and their friend. He reportedly um, installed like some kind of app some kind of listening app on his daughter's iPad. 
And supposedly he heard like, you know, his wife and friend like talking and laughing and stuff like that. And like I said, this is all legend or whatever right now, right now, but it is according to, you know, multiple media reports. Um, and then he ended up coming back to their apartment and, you know, and shooting both of them. Um, so the reason I mentioned this is because this brings up, a, you know, puts additional focus on like stalker wear, right? You know, we, we talked about this before where it's just like, technology when you create technology you also have to think about how that technology can be abused right yeah. so when apple talked about their air tags and everyone was talking about, oh this is fabulous and this is great it's like that and then they said well you also have to think about how this can be abused how somebody who's an abuse you know an abusive relationship somebody can use air tags to try and track somebody you know it's like that so apple's had to try and respond um to try and make it so that there's you know put some random randomization in like their system and the pings and stuff like that um in this case this wasn't um, allegedly a Bulaban um, put it, installing um, stalker wear on his wife's um, devices. It was he installed on his daughter's devices, and you know, particularly because we have we have parental controls and stuff like that. Oftentimes, parents can put stuff on their kids' devices, and there's nothing that's really going to stop it, right? Because the parent owns that, you know, has control over it. Yeah. So, in, I said this is you know, it's a it's a it's a really tragic case, um, but it puts a lot of focus though on like making sure that developers really keep, you know, we really have to consider how your apps can be used for, you know, not only for like your intended purpose, but like, you know, things like this. Yeah. I mean, this, this kind of, um, the, the category you call it was stalkerware and that's, that's sort of the, the category that this is sort of known as it's oftentimes, uh, uh, you know, in, in, I mean, a lot of this comes through on like, on like, you know, uh, Android devices where you can sideload stuff. Apple tries to make sure that this kind of stuff doesn't get on their store, but there's a question about whether or not this was a legitimate app or not, because it was apparently on an iOS device. Uh, and this sort of, uh, in instances in the past where like stalkerware has wound up on uh, an iOS device, it's usually marketed as like, you know, surveillance software to like tell, protect your children. Yeah. You know, it's, it's often marketed to parents and stuff like, oh, you want to make sure your kids are safe. So you install this thing on their device. And so you can make sure they're safe or so you can like, you know, see what your ex your wife. Right? Yeah. Like, this is like, this is a thing that's all throughout our, uh, you know, it's, it's one, it's, I feel like it's one of the, re the themes that we return to over and over again is talking about as new technology becomes available, how do we, as creators of technology, how do we, as people on the forefront, like really make sure that we are protecting the most vulnerable people and not just going off to that dollar, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yes. It's very yeah. and this sort of goes well that's 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 the conundrum right um when you're in any sort of research and development right when for example um they discovered erectile dysfunction uh medicine by treating other things and this was the side effect right and so like oh look we can we can do this too right and so all of a sudden that became the business um this is I, I think it's inherent when you make tools um when um and um this used to be all fun and games back when we weren't so interconnected <laughs> and, and 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 now we are we're inexorably connected in 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 ways that we never have before and um in order to enjoy that amount of, um, you know, in, in order to enjoy that, it comes part and parcel with being in peril uh, all at the same time. Um, and I don't know whether or not there's ever a fix as much as people just have to be committed to being vigilant. Um, you, you, you just really do. This is a very sad story. Um, and um, yeah, you just, but what you don't want to do um, 
is make a whole nation take off their shoes basically to get on a plane because of something like this. Right. And I think that's the, you know, and, and, and so we have to watch ourselves. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and not overreact. No, I, I, I agree. There's, there's definitely, uh, you know, <laughs> there's definitely a bit of like security theater that, um, that folks sort of use to respond to this to give the appearance of safety without actually solving the problem. This is to bring it back to, to, to software development and tech. Uh, one of the things I often talk about, and we'll talk about probably in a little bit when we talk about the long, the long topic around design is, you know, I talk with my designers when we have problems to solve and they want to come up with solutions. And I'm like, cool, what problem are we trying to solve? Like, oh, but we could do this and we could do that. And we could do this other thing. I'm like, but what problem are we trying to solve? Like, so we're trying to make sure that people are specifically identifying that problem and creating solutions, designing solutions that solve that and aren't just security theater as well. You know, one of the other themes that we, we do often return to a lot, and you know, Travis brought us back to it a second ago, was that we're in a connected society. We are so connected right now, right? Like we have never had more access to each other. Uh, and that also brings like another, uh, you know, brings to the forefront, like the, the other sort of question of like, what do companies um, owe to the society that they make products for, right? Because like in the, back in the seventies and eight, back in the pre-internet days, right? Before the internet was a thing that was on my little, you know, smart device, uh, you know, you, you could make the argument that we're designing this for the majority and we don't know what, the, we don't know what hurts the minor, minority of people. Um, we just don't have access to that. You can't say that anymore, right? <laughs> like you've got access to all of that information. And, and for as, as, uh, as, as many negatives are there, as there are to the internet and the social, uh, social media, like Twitter and stuff like that too, uh, like it's actually been uh, a really a positive thing for a lot of folks from like marginalized communities to be able to actually get their voice out there and say, hey, this hurts me. This hurts us kind of thing, yeah. right? Um, so uh, companies do really need to respond to that. And it's going to be really interesting to see what the next steps are on this in particular, especially because I think that this uh, has probably brought put, put a bit of more of a spotlight on, on stalkerware and, you know, people really understanding how it's used and abused. Yeah. And particularly for this case where, like, like you said, Chuck, um, you know, there, there are apps that, that market themselves that way. But in the, I mean, they haven't revealed what the exact app was. They've just kind of described it. But for this, they said it was it was supposed to be something, you know, that she that he installed on his daughter's device and was meant to, like, you know, monitor children. It's like that. So theoretically, you know, you, you, you assume that this particular company, like they shouldn't want their app to be used in this way. So I really do hope that, like, you know, they do kind of take a look at this and like, you know, start to. You know, not just them, but like other companies who are not marketing their stuff as stalkerware, um, do consider those implications because you know things like this can happen, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, or even if you're just paranoid about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a way bigger conversation. Yeah. How do we deprogram people's brains about what they, what they expect from each other? Yeah. How do we solve toxic masculinity? <laughs> Yeah. That's, 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 uh, <laughs> well, we're going to jump on to like, I'm going to stay away from that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we have smaller, smaller problems. <laughs> Somehow stalkerware is the smaller problem here within our culture. Um, we're going to jump on to another topic here. Ryan, you've got a story for us. Yeah. So I like talking about money. Uh, <laughs> lately I've been like really like to talk about money. So, uh, oh. Here's a good, here's something, I don't know, I'm not even sure if it's good, but I guess we'll explore it and see if it's good or not. Um, but basically, Patreon, which is, uh, you know, forum for a lot of uh, uh, creative people and artists, um, they actually confirmed that, it's, that they're exploring crypto as a way for creators to make money. Uh, last month, uh, they floated out the idea for, of uh, creator coins, Mm. Uh, to his community and 
uh, creator coins is a kind of crypto base for your uh, social cur currency. Um, so from, I've been exploring Patreon, not Patreon, I've been exploring crypto money for the past um, two months now. I've been doing a lot of research. Um, and it seems like uh, there's always, uh, there's a huge uh, advertising side to this. It's not just create this art, put it up, and then it sells. You know, you have to have a huge promotional campaign and everything behind that. Um, so I'm assuming Patreon is trying to trying to get into that, and they're probably going to handle that side and sort of things. Mm -hmm. uh, I, honestly, I was assuming that, but then uh, after reading the article a little bit more, I, just, I saw that that was one of their things that they were sort of thinking about doing was um, um, like they were exploring that side of things. So if there's nothing confirmed or anything, but but uh, if if they do, that means they're going to have to take up a huge portion of advertising because it's in their interest to get this thing sold. And and, and then on top of that, how many thousands of artists that, uh, that that's on Patreon right now that would if they jump in on this, um, you know, the, the amount of money they will be making and then the amount of money that's, that's going to be distributed throughout throughout the thing. It's a lot of issues I could see that's going to come out of it. So that's probably what, why they're, they're pausing on actually doing this. They haven't gone, uh, you know, fully into this yet. Yeah. Um, but it is something that's out there. It is something that I, I'm very curious about. Yeah. Um, and honestly, to be real, um, artists don't need Patreon to do this. Mm. They can literally do this some somewhere else. They don't need to go through pay Patreon. So I'm wondering what, what would Patreon's percentage be on all of this? Um, and, you know, and, and also there's also a resale market. So we'd have to, you have to factor that, that in there. So it just seems like it's a lot of numbers and a lot of issues that would come out of this yeah. um, lawsuits and stuff like that. And, contracts people have to sign like extended contracts or anything like that you know um if if they even jump into that you know it just seems like it's a huge issue but i'm just yeah. letting you guys know it's out there it's it's, it's in the article uh there, there's artists out there who would, who's going to see it and they're they're probably going to um have questions and they're probably going to have ideas oh maybe i can just scribble some some sticks together and throw it up there and you know make a we'll, couple we'll hundred thousand dollars I, I see that all over Twitter right now. Actually, <laughs> yeah. there are some there's some pretty scribble stuff that's not like people just scribble yeah. whatever, and then they you're making a ton of money off off of it. There is, you know? I think this is a really interest. This is really interesting. I mean, like crypto and like NFTs and all this stuff. This is not going away, right? And it's it's very firmly like the art the art world has very much adopted it, you know. Um, and it's it's here to stay. I like I just was hearing story. I just read a story earlier this week with that was um. It was just talking about other social media that's kind of like, you know, they're starting to allow like tip functionality and stuff like that for artists or creators and stuff like that. I think it was Twitter that was now look, letting, um, you know, they've rolled it out for tips and stuff like that. Um, you know, you obviously have to have like a certain number of followers and like, you know, an account in good standing or whatever. I mm. think Twitter, I think it was Twitter that was now allowing people to tip Bitcoin, you know, to creators and stuff like that. So, I mean, this is definitely something that, you know, I said that is, is, is out there. And um, as, as you said, Ryan, I mean, you, you've been investigating it. Like I've heard like, you know, several, um, you know, clubhouse rooms, it's like that where artists are talking about, like, how do you create NFTs? How do you start building a business? So NFTs are like 50% of clubhouse right now. By here's, the way. Here's, here's, here's what I, you know, as I, as I listen to Ryan talk about this and I listen to, you know, people talk about crypto, you know what? I feel like, my life is becoming a mobile game. <laughs> and I, and, and you, we think it's funny, but I, I, you, you heard it here first, or maybe I heard it here first because I said it. Uh, um, I believe that we're going to get to a point where there is honest to God, sort of metaverse money and real money or, or, or sort of the old sort of money. Right. And so just like you have in-game currency in your mobile game. OK. And then you have real money, uh, you know, or, 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 or real sort of economies or, or whatever. And and I really think that it's going to get to a point where you're paying people in crypto 
so that they can get items and services and, and so on and so forth in crypto. And as long as, because currency is just an agreement, right? And so if you get um, enough people to agree, then your doodads have worth. I, I think that that's really possible. And then approximately 15 minutes later, the entire earth will just light on fire. <laughs> like, it's actually here. <laughs> it's actually here already. I, I hate to to, yeah. to pop a bomb on you guys, but it's here already. It's just that there's not a lot of people have jumped on that ship yet. Um, so it's still early in the game. I, I had a meeting with some some people about five months ago about this, and they were talking about the wave of how how this thing has been hitting the the community and, and just and how how things are changing over. Uh, Tom Billu is a friend of mine, um, and he's he's he has a massive multimedia company, and he's been releasing videos about this, um, how things are have been changing. Um, into into the digital age, how uh, e- e- from from money to art, how art has been transitioning into that that stage, and and it's either we jump on board and we ride this here, or we sit back in the dinosaur age and we just look at the rest of the world go by. Because it's literally at our at our doorstep right now, and there are people who just don't still don't get it. They don't understand. Uh, if I, can, don't if I can jump in here for a second. I think, I think there's more than two options. Number one, but number two, uh, there is like there's been a lot of adoption about this in the in the in the art space. But I would also say that it it's not like the, uh, the art community is not fully aligned on this or anything. Like so, like one of the most common conversations I'm seeing like, as like you know you saw Patreon starting to adopt this. Adobe just started talking about this about mm-hmm. last week or something like that as well mm-hmm. integrating like the ability to, to to mint nfts into their into their products uh there's been a really big backlash as well because there's a lot of artists who are not on board with the idea of nfts nope. and um don't like they don't like for a variety of reasons all the reasons you guys have probably heard before <laughs> as well like the environmental concerns the, the environmental the, exactly the, That's um, a huge one. The, the false scarcity that 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 in, nfts and introduce into digital items uh, like there's the, the fact that it, it does it is open does open up the space to a lot of um uh, uh what's the word fraud and <laughs> stuff like that too because like you just you just mint, mint whatever you want and there's no like no system of checks and stuff like that too so it is definitely a space that is very very the opposite of mature it is sort of a buyer beware and a minter beware sort of space as well there's also uh, i've also seen a term recently that 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 i don't really understand um and it's called clean NFTs, which gives oh, me yeah, a are, yeah. clean coal sort of feeling to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there is a lot of space still. This, I mean, this is this is far from a settled issue, even in the art community and stuff like that as well. So um, I do encourage folks to um, <laughs> keep an eye on it and stuff, but don't necessarily feel like you're that that, that you're forced to go one way or another. I, I will mention um, McDonald's just released their first NFT earlier this week. Of the McRib, it's a drawing of the McRib. So we're already in the end times, and just in case anyone was curious. Um, yeah, uh, T minus fifteen minutes to the extin- extinction of the Earth. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> mhm. Yeah. My mom but what, but what happened is, is we all agreed. <laughs> it all agreed. We, we, we all agreed, thing. right? And, exactly. and, and that's the thing. I mean, a dollar doesn't mean anything. Mm. We just agree that it does. <laughs> right? This is true. And so, true. yeah. So, Free I mean, it doesn't inherently have value. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I'm looking at what Ryan's saying. And I'm saying he's not too far off. I mean, yeah. you know, it really, you know, you just have, you, you know, your boy give a couple more of those seminars, you know, and, you know, Get enough people to agree. And I'll take a photo of it and I'll make it to an NFT and then I will, no, I, no, I totally agree. Like, I mean, like this does not, I said, it's not going anywhere. I mean, like I said, you got all these big companies are jumping in on this, you know, it, it's not going anywhere. I just want to see like, you know, I just want to see when the, when the government actually put some proper regulation and stuff around it. But, you know, that's probably going to be a while anyways, as well, because we know how, we know the speed of government, at least the U.S. government for real. Yeah. Yeah. 
There, there are absolutely valuable ways to think about this, but yeah. But if you hang out on you hang out on Twitter right now, there ain't mortgage deeds being minted right now. It's like a monkey <laughs> holding a sandwich. So, <laughs> you know what I recently saw? I recently saw. And I just, I would rather the earth catch on fire because we're minting mortgage deeds as opposed to monkeys holding sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, but one shouldn't exist. I was we shocked. Gotta, we gotta move on. We gotta move on. <laughs> uh, um, it depends on what that monkey and that sandwich look like. <laughs> yeah. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm yeah. Yeah, what, I have questions about that. That was, uh, that was duct tape <laughs> to, the, to the wall. Yeah, see, I mean, the duct tape, that's what called, that's what was worth the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and the person who walked by and took it off the wall and ate it was also worth the hundreds yeah, of thousands. Yeah, yeah. There's a, <laughs> right. there's, there's a lot of questions about this, too. And, you know, I like that it, it is a space that is very well. Yeah, it is. It really, it really is. I mean, Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or this is worth nothing until the artist dies, and now it's worth yeah. millions and millions. Or, of or this is worth millions of dollars to me because I took it and minted it before the without the artist knowing it, and too bad artists because <laughs> this is not regulated. All right, we're gonna move on to our last story here, folks. Sinead, I think you've got this for us. I have the best story, y'all. Talking it about art has nothing to do with NFTs, but it does have to do with Pikmin, and. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Pikmin. I'm a big fan of most Nintendo things, but Pikmin is like the most adorable thing in the world. And um, if you have not, if you did not hear, Niantic just announced their new game, which is Pikmin Bloom, which is a new AR game. They've of course partnered with Nintendo because you know it's Nintendo's property and stuff. And it's like it's in the Pokemon Go sort of vein, where you're like they're trying to get you up and active and out of your house and walking around. And as you walk. Pikmin accrue behind you and like little like flowers start blooming and you know like what else do you need in life I don't know <laughs> I couldn't be less interested <laughs> <laughs> listen here's the thing right because Pokemon Go when it first got announced people were like what is that I'm catching Pokemon I don't know maybe maybe we can make work and then a billion dollars later it's like oh that seems like that was a good idea for Pikmin Bloom, by the way, just came out. Uh, it's actually out in the U.S. as of last Thursday. Yes, you can find it. I actually just searched for it. I'm going to be downloading it on my phone soon. Let me just start. Um, <laughs> it, it was. It's also out in Singapore and Australia, and they think they're going to be rolling it out probably worldwide in the next um, next few years. Next few next few years. Next few days. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's a slow, it's a soft launch. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. They haven't told all the details. I'm sure there's probably some other gameplay related thing in there, but that might be related to the Pikmin brand. If you guys are familiar with it, it's a uh, it's a strategy game. Um, but I mean, I just want to walk plants? around and collect Pikmin. I just want to collect they plants. They're part plant, part animal. So, so basically go outside and discover outside. I mean, yeah, that's, that's also, no, I'm good. <laughs> that's grass. It's, it's basically, that's what the, th that's what the logo Look, is. It's grass. Logan's going to be touch grass, please. Um, <laughs> maybe it's not for you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's called weed I, i'm gonna i'm gonna mention this so you know i like every single time nintendo has a direct i'm like where's my new pikmin i want my new pikmin game i loved i love i yes. love pikmin 3 yes it was so like that was one of my favorite games and then my sister and i we did we did co-op on like you know all the little extra boards and stuff like that i i'm a big pikmin fan love it and i just but i know like you know nintendo like you know they have their sequels like seven years apart <laughs> so so you know higher consoles I, come and go yeah so i'm like generally like okay when's pikmin 4 coming out probably like 2027 or whatever the switch so, three i mean this was this the pikmin game i wanted no uh, not necessarily but like if nintendo if nintendo is known for anything it's for giving you kind of what you asked for but not at all what you asked for 
So, basically, I mean, you wanted the grass inside your home. Is that I, it? You, this, is you, inside, you wanted, no, this is not an inside your home game. It's like it's like Pokemon Go. You, Pokemon you that. That's what I said. That's yeah. what I said. She said this isn't the Pikmin game she wanted. I said, what you want the grass inside your house? Then? I, that's what I wanted. <laughs> I wanted the strategy game that introduces even more Pikmin besides like the rock Pikmin and the fairy Pikmin and, and the water Pikmin and the electric Pikmin and the yeah. red ones. I feel my soul shrinking. Like, <laughs> Have you ever played like, Pikmin though, Travis? No. <laughs> it's, you know. Like I said, I, it's, like, it's a game about grass? Like, get out of here. Like, it, the original game like, is about grass. Like, but, I could not, I, I said it, I said, I said what I said. I couldn't be less interested. <laughs> for you, that's totally fine. It's totally fine. Not everything's for everyone, but this is for me. <laughs> so excited about Yes, yes, yes. I have like one of those little, the, there's like the monsters they fight in the, in the Pikmin universe is like this big, I don't even know what it looks like. It's like a giant mouth and it's really cute. It's giant oh, mouth and tiny little legs. And this is not. This is not turning out well. This is... And I have a plushie around here somewhere. And he eats the Pikmin, and I have a plushie around here somewhere. I'm wondering if we can have him in the game too. Cause... Oh, he probably will. He'll be in there, and he will eat all of your Pikmin. That's yeah. exactly. The big thing is probably a horse. Yeah, it is definitely. It's a horse. Yes, it's that's what it yes. is. I think it's called like a blue orb or something like all that. Right. Well, I guess for Travis, Pikmin is his horror game um so (laughs) this is a good good segue into our long topic here folks we actually we want to talk about designing horror right we want to talk Mm. about as we have code if we have a you know subtitled it are you afraid of the dark um so we have a lot of folks here who you know we've all worked on some sort of a title and, and been involved in like um you know helping to uh, 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 design games in, within the horror genre. I mean, depending on how, even depending on how you define like the different kind of types of horror. So we want to talk a little bit about that, you know, and how you go about creating a, you know, creating a, I say a horror experience, right? Because like, it could be, you know, depending on what kind of experience you want to create, it doesn't necessarily have to be frightening. It could be creepy. It could be a million different things. So, yeah. So, Hey, Chuck, why don't, you, why don't you start us off a little bit? Tell us a little bit about some of the experiences that you've uh, you've worked on here. Mm. It was so good, though. Yeah. <laughs> and you're running out of you're constantly running out of ammo. <laughs> say resident evil does do a good job of like we're talking about creeping you out like creating the ambiance they do a great job of that yeah though Hmm. yeah can can i mention by the way for a second and i want i want to like get everyone else into this as well but like when you mentioned eternal darkness like eternal darkness was such a great game because it was so like the thing that I thought was fabulous about it was that it didn't just like keep your horror experience just like in the screen. What was, it was like, it tried to mess with the player. Like if, 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 if folks who haven't played Eternal Darkness, you would be playing the game and then suddenly you would see a volume 
slider just show up on your TV screen and start going up and the volume will go up and move down. And you're like, am I sitting on the remote or whatever? <laughs> no, it's the game messing with you. It's, my and it's my favorite. Like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Flash. And then it would just like be like, you'd hear like a laugh and you like your person would start like going insane or whatever, right? But, Another one was, I was going to mention was like the rolling G logo where you're playing the game and suddenly the screen flashes and cuts back to like the rolling G logo, like this one GameCube. Like the intro, like basically when you boot up your system, it would just have that logo. And you're like, why did my game just restart? Nope. It's just playing with you. How many standards did that game break? How many? I know. Those are called waivers, my friend. Um, <laughs> so that, was, that was my favorite one. They also do one where occasionally when you would hit the, this is all based on your insanity meter for your game, which you know you had to manage. If you didn't manage it, you got to see all the cool stuff. Uh, but the, uh, the one of the other ones they would do is like you go to your pause screen. Sometimes your inventory would just be completely empty, which is a bug that I'm sure everyone has experienced in some game somewhere. And they're like, yeah, this is a feature. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. Those <laughs> were Pikmin games on the GameCube too, just so you know. <laughs> It was, it was good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, Sin of a Sacrifice. Hellblade. And Hellblade. It's, it's not. Mm. Mm. I want to meet him. I want to meet him. <laughs> mm. 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 Wow. Well. Well, let me let me ask you, Travis. Like, what do you think makes a good horror game? You've worked on a few titles here. A lot. <laughs> or one, maybe one. Um. So, games um, are empowering. Mm -hmm. um, usually, play games to be empowered. Um, horror is the polar opposite of that. <laughs> um, it is, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, sure. And, um, you know, everyone uh, likes to feel safe. Um, you know, and you can root that safety in a lot of different things. But what happens when it's very vicarious and, and your experience um, lets you know that? Like, I just listened to you talk about eternal darkness, and that was the thing. You never knew what your reality was, right? Yeah. Um, and so um, I think we as, 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 as people cling to safety, right? Things cling to safety. I mean, I have a dog, and when he gets scared, he runs right to me and hides behind me, you know? So it's, it's, it's a very primal thing. Um, and I have learned that, it is a very powerful thing, but you should you should treat it with with care, <laughs> mm, mm. Um, because your 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 most powerful you know horror sometimes is very personal. Um, when when I you know when when I won uh, actually a venture game of the year when I made a horror game it was called Sanitarium, and I think what was great about Sanitarium was is that 
we didn't stick to one kind of horror or one type of, you know, one type of mindset. We actually pulled the, uh, the whole group, the, 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 uh, the game team and said, what are you afraid of? I'm scared of being alone. I'm scared of death. I'm scared of clowns. I'm scared of deformed things. I'm, I'm scared of, you know, all these different things. And we made a horror salad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so and, and, yeah, and and everyone, so everyone who played the game found something that they were like, "Ill," right? <laughs> and 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 so yeah, and and so at, at the end of the day, I think um, you know how how artful you are at actually taking those things that you know that people fear uh, and, and 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 shaking them up or turning them sideways or. You, you, it's it's great when it happens. And yeah, Chuck, I, I I agree with you. I agree with most people that jump scares, because they're primal and easy, it's 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 basically the the gameplay uh version of potty humor because it's just easy. Yeah, it is. And so I mean that, that, that actually that brings up a good point here, right? Because you know, for a horror like if you're specific, you know, depending on what kind of experience you're trying to create. You want to be able to make a game that can, you know, obviously, like I said, resonate with your your users, right? Um, either because, like you said, it's it's maybe playing on different fears or it's playing on just, you know, just giving them like an, an experience, you know, a new experience here. But you also need to still keep them engaged, right? So, like, for, I, you know, I give the example of, like, when I was playing Dead Space. I did not finish Dead Space because <laughs> um, I thought it was a great game. You know, I was enjoying it and I'm walking past what is the, the necromorph or you know, whatever they're called on the ground, right? And this one is laying there dead on the ground. And I passed by that guy like three or four times. I shot him a couple of times. He didn't move or whatever. I'm like, good, he's dead. And then one time I passed by him and he jumped up and I was like, I'm done with this game. I cannot because the game, the game, what it did for me was it played on my anxiety. That actually, I mean, it was a great game. It played on the thing that like, like really does bother me but it never gave me a chance to have my anxiety come down and when it did that i was like oh i'm done i can't play this game you know what the funny thing is that was the exact moment where i said oh i like this game (laughs) because i was like because they'd had some like irritating jump scares before and most games that are like that will just like lean on jump scares i don't do jump scares for movies or games i'm just like they're just like i said it's it's cheap it's like it's it's like it's icing it's not there's no depth to it right um, but for it's Dead Space, the fondant. It, it, yes, it's it's <laughs> it, like it subverted my expectation because I was like, okay, I've confirmed this guy is dead. Like he's dead, dead. I've walked by him literally like four times, and then it like the jump scare was like at a moment where it's like, wait a second, this is a, all these things are dead. <laughs> like, that's the entire purpose of this. But still, so, <laughs> it, no, I'm I do not. Like I said, horror games are not for everyone. That is by far. And in fact, I didn't used to play a lot of horror games. I still don't. I'm still okay with them. And even with horror movies, like I don't like. There's a certain class of horror movie that I don't enjoy, like the Saw movies and that kind of stuff. I don't enjoy like stuff where it's like the torture is just the purpose of the movie. That's not fun for me or anything like that. I enjoy stuff that often borrows from horror and integrates that into like a, a narrative or a storyline or something like that. Uh, and when you were talking about like one of the things I think was interesting you were talking about um, uh, related to to uh, you know a games managing your anxiety. I think that's where. Uh, I think it's, I think it's a really it's a really narrow path to walk because the because game designers do have to manage your anxiety if they're yeah. not doing it and you're always up here all the time that's where people they turn out of the funnel. Yeah. Um, I think I went to a really great talk at GDC uh, one year and they were talking about how they designed. Uh, the the like they call it i think it's like they call it the director system for um for left for dead right and how how they like they'd taken different cues and they did all this like did all this metrics and you know crunched all this data they gotten in because they were trying to figure out why people stop playing these types of games because a lot of these types of games people will just like they play it a little bit and then they're just done and they realize it's because if everyone's up here if your anxiety's up here all the time that's super stressful yep. and your, your brain might know, Oh, it's stress. It's caused by a game. So I'm not in danger, but your body doesn't necessarily know that. And ultimately we are, you know, combinations of chemicals and stuff and behaviors that function in your body. is just like, listen, I'm done with it. It's the reason why I stopped playing Returnal. It was way too stressful for me. Um, and they actually managed, they created a system that managed it. If you remember for Left 4 Dead, it very much fell into sort of that horror space where it borrowed a lot from horror. I don't know if I feel like it was a horror game, it was an action game with a lot of horror elements, but there were like lots of spaces you'd be in and there was just nobody there. 
And then sometimes it's just waves of guys who are coming at you. And every time after there was a wave or after there was a special, uh, one of the special undead, whatever they're called, like you'd have like a period of just like calm. Mm -hmm. And they set your expectation to know when you were safe and when you weren't safe. Yep. And that was really smart because it kept people in that, like in that funnel for a really long time. Like we played Left 4 Dead endlessly for quite but, some time, I think. It might have been a console generation change before we actually stopped playing it. I wanna I wanna make a, a comment before I, I I listen to Ryan because I I, I know he, he's gotta drop some science on this. <laughs> um as a as a as a child, um I was really afraid of the dark. And I was really afraid of the dark because, you know, something that I could see perfectly when the lights were on, as soon as the lights were off and that darkness got augmented by my reality, by my imagination, yeah. everything went left, right? Like in, in, in a big way. So look, people, if you're designing things, trust me when I say less is more. Less is less is more because people's imaginations give you so much more more power than you can possibly imagine. All right. Just turn off the lights. I guarantee you it's scary. It's scary because that means different things to everyone. Mm-hmm. It, you know, some people will think spider. Some people will think clown. Some people will think snake. Some people will think all those different things. Use it. It's a it's a very powerful tool. And then you turn the lights on and the spider clown snake shows up. <laughs> He's like, damn! I knew you were there, Spider Clown. It's like, it's, it's like when you're at the club and they turn the lights on and everyone time to leave, time to go, time to go. There's no more mystery. Honestly, that's no the analogy. Mystery. Is that the mystery is gone when the lights are on? Yeah. Uh, and that's actually just as a side. Like actually, that's one of the reasons I kind of really enjoyed. Uh, like, there's certain horror games that I feel are more action games because, but I I, I enjoy horror people. games that are sort of in the. I've seen a couple of horror games that are actually in the daylight, and that's a hard thing to pull off. <laughs> Resident Evil. Actually, I, I will say, I'm, I'm not digging at Resident Evil. I actually really love the series and stuff like that. I, I like the fact that I can go around and things are just creepy. Like, I like the creepiness factor of it. I like that it's not necessarily trying to play on my anxiety and scare me or whatever. It's just trying to show, give me, here's a creepy experience or whatever. But I will say, this was, this was the reason why, I mean, I have stopped playing some Resident Evil games before because they do play on my anxiety. So the ones that don't, I will get through and I will finish. The ones that do, they go up there next to Dead Space One. <laughs> so Returnal, I, uh, I think it definitely borrows a lot from the horror genre. Like you know, just the the just the atmospheres that they have. Like there's a whole like there's a whole subplot that is very much like trying to be a a traditional sort of horror experience where like you got you start having you know flashbacks or visions and stuff like that too and then you realize you don't know who you are and then you start finding other parts of yourself and stuff so there's definitely horror elements to it as they're building out the narrative there's that whole house that you find it's like is this my house it's my mother's house like and the, like they intentionally play with like shadow and and with shapes and stuff in those spaces to no saving yeah. no saving and, that's yeah, the horror that's, that's the, the horror. horror too. They're <laughs> <laughs> saving. It just doesn't save, you know, what you want. Is that horror or is that forty-five minutes? Is that horror or is that horrible design? Yes. 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 Yeah. So, um, got a question actually for you, Ryan. What do you think makes like a bad horror experience for you? For you, like when you're playing horror games. Oh, a bad horror experience, man. I remember playing resident even when it first came out we all know uh we have a, a common friend named sean and sean and i used to play that game and we two grown men sitting in a in the, in the living room scared <laughs> we're like oh we're like grabbing each other and jumping in the daylight we're just freaking out playing that game when it first came out you know uh i i, I think it was a really good execution for that one game yeah. Um, you know, and especially go, growing up, because I grew up in uh, in the Caribbean, and the Caribbean has a very heavily uh, voodoo mm-hmm. uh, uh, atmosphere. You know, there's a lot of people that believe in like witches and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I've, I grew up hearing those stories and seeing things like that. Yeah. You know, my, my parents used to tell me um, uh, whenever we would hear a noise on the roof, or they're like, oh, that's a witch. The witch is walking on the roof. So we used to freak out as kids, you know. So, 
<laughs> Tell us stuff like that, man. And, 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 and honestly, Tell them up. <laughs> Fun. Up, you know? Be quiet before that witch come down here. And bust your teeth. <laughs> Yeah. So no, get you if you don't go to bed. I know his mother. I know his mother. Uh, yes. Yeah. It, it, it got to the point where I was so curious. I wanted to meet him. I wanted to go see these witches and stuff like that. They, they kept talking about. So I used to go out at nighttime and run around my house in the dark looking for these things. Mm-hmm. And I remember we used to, I used to go to this church and when we were kids and the church was built next to a graveyard. And at nighttime, we would have church, you know, the evening church, church uh, service. And all the parents used to hang out inside the church and all the kids would go outside, you know, after, after the church services was over, all the kids would go outside. And I, and we used to dare each other to run out to go to this dark tree in the middle of nowhere. It's like in the middle of the grave, graveyard, we used to run out there, touch the tree and come back. Mm. So that helped me kind of train my brain to just kind of get, get away from being scared and stuff like that. Like stuff don't really spook me too much. Now, now I'm older. Until resident you know, I, I don't still, I don't get scared at that that you know I hear stories and I'm like okay big deal you know yeah he's scared of taxes <laughs> scared of taxes I sure am. <laughs> I say, by the way Brian what you just described here would make a perfect backdrop for a game. I'm like <laughs> actually there's witches on the ceiling making like noise and stuff like yeah. that. You're you're in the church that's next to the graveyard in like, front of the tree. Run to the dark tree over there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, um, man. Yeah. So, I mean, the last thing I want to ask, because, I mean, I know we're, we're getting close to time here. Um, oh, yeah. We have examples of, like, um, you know, Resident Evil is a good example of, um, of a, a horror series which relies, you know, on third-person kind of, uh, you know, third-person characters, right? Um, but you also have, like, some horror games that are in first-person. I'm just kind of curious what people's preference is for this. I mean, you know, obviously there's, there's you know, there's benefits and probably disadvantages for each, but I'm kind of curious what y- y'all think. I by far prefer third-person experiences for horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 I'm not, like, I'm not even talking about from a design experience. Just, like, that's just something I enjoy. It's like that, too. Um, I, I feel like it allows me to get, uh, you know, a lot of times a lot of games uh, choose a first-person uh first person point of view because they, they they want you to feel like you're personally the avatar for it mm-hmm. yeah. um, I, I for some reason like a lot of the games i tend to gravitate to uh are not that space actually <laughs> for first person i usually prefer like you know for shooters and that kind of stuff but for like the horror games and stuff and anything that's outside of that um first person actually uh there's a disconnect for me personally so yeah. I, I, I tend to gravitate towards the ones that give me a third person experience. Mm-hmm. I know Travis has got some deep thoughts about the first person, mm-hmm. and the third person. No, I, other than other than the fact that I think that first person first person games are uh, usually more empowering because usually you're pointing a weapon as you're actually going through uh, an environment, and so it's a it's a, it's a feeling of empowerment, and um in in really um that's that's an interesting area to play in. Because all you really have to do is take that weapon away from you, and now you're not so empowered uh, after all. And there's plenty of camera tricks and things that you can do, like, mm-hmm. oh, I know that you looked left, so I'm going to place this right behind you, right? That you can do in first person that you can't do in any other genre. So I think that first person buys you a little bit more uh, in 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 visceral, um, you know, uh, you know, just. It, it, it's it's able to immerse you, I think, a little bit more. But you know, the third person is still very powerful. So yeah, I don't have a preference really. Yeah, one of the um one of the games that I, I know we didn't really get a chance to touch on it, but I'm just gonna throw it out here, uh, a Plague's Tale, which I think we t- I talked about like some oh, time yeah. ago. Uh, it's one of those games that definitely is I think one of your less conventional horror games in that your 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 big bad, your enemies like that is a persistent plague of rats that is a supernatural plague of rats of <laughs> that could just like somewhat erupt from the ground in a literal wave sometimes and stuff as well. Um, so I, I I do like games that that. Um, the horror genre, I think we oftentimes think of like a very specific thing, like ghosts and demons and monsters and stuff. And there's also, I love what that games and movies have actually expanded that to utilize those sort of horror motifs in different ways. So go play a play, a play's tale. By the way, the sequel comes out on PS5 like next year or something. So, so try and get a PS5 if you can. <laughs> They're easy to get now, is what I heard. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like how if you already have money, it's easier to make money. So, you know, if you already have PS5, yeah, probably you can. Yeah. <laughs> 
but yeah, no, I, I agree with you on, on a plague's tale. I, I like how in that game it goes from progressively like, oh, there's just rats or whatever. Now there's waves. Now there's a tornado of rats. Like it's just like ridiculous stuff where you're like, okay. <laughs> a pillar of rats. It's a pillar of rats. down. Yes, yeah, it's a little. So I, I think, Bob, by the way, I think what this discussion just tells us is we need to make the Tech Nubians horror video game. That's what we need. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd All be good. Elements and we'll smash yeah. it up and it'd be fabulous. But anyways, this has been an awesome discussion from everybody. I love talking like this horror, this horror genre. And it's, you know, obviously very appropriate for, for tomorrow. Um, but I do want to close up the show. I want to give a shout out to Digital Click for all the creative they give us for each and every show. If you want to learn more about Tech Nubians, hit us up at our website. That's technubians.com, T-E-C-H-N-0-0-B-I-A-N-S.com. Please feel free to follow us here on Twitch. And if you like our vibe. And, and we know you. Boo! <laughs> and if you want to learn more about game development and everything geek, please consider subscribing to our channel. You can also follow us on all the socials. We're on all major platforms. And if you're ever wondering what else geek we're talking about, check out our scheduled shows here on the TGN on our Twitch page. Anyways, everyone, thank you so much. Have a happy Halloween. Happy and safe Halloween. That's it for now. Thank you all for watching, and we will see you next week. Take care, everyone.